When you hear the phrase first-gen American, what comes to mind? Oscar Velasquez, a first-generation American, wants to enlighten your mind to everyday life as a first-gen in today's America. There is a perception in today's society, and Oscar is going to dive in and dissect the reality of being a first-gen. Join Oscar and his guests from all walks of life, discussing their trial and tribulations in today's America. Now your host, Oscar Velasquez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, 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 and happy Tuesday morning. We are officially in our new time slot, Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a young, young special guest, a young entrepreneur in the making. An amazing story. We actually had um, the privilege to have a little um, exclusive with him, which we'll be posting live um, later on today and and an extended clip later on the week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Faustin. It's a pleasure to be here, sir. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Man, it's an honor to have you. Honestly, your your story it, it impacted the whole team. And when Jasmine, um, she sent me your information, and we had a little research on your background, and truly amazing. And I, I like I was telling you earlier, I can't I can't imagine the storyline that can't be shared with the people because this is truly amazing. No, that's great. Man. It was. Um, what we want to do is we want to talk a little bit about your background, but first. Um, you're a young entrepreneur. You're starting a business here in Nashua. Yes, sir. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about you. So, I, uh, my name is Faustin, the Shaman Man, as, as you said. I'm starting a business here in Nashua. It's a small landscaping business. And um, I just finished high school this year. Congratulations. Yep. So I figured since I want to do business, I might as well start from somewhere for sure. Absolutely. Yes, sir. What inspired you? What inspired you to go ahead and start this business? Um, I was inspired uh, by the fact that I I want to be a businessman in the future. So if right. I want to be a businessman, I can't sit around and expect it to happen by itself. So I gotta <laughs> start from somewhere for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What? Um, where were you born and raised? I was born in Rwanda, and and I was raised in a refugee camp. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, tell tell me a little bit about and that. That is what resonated with me. I mean, yeah. I want to know your your upbringing. How was it like uh, growing up in a refugee camp? I I know that you were born there. You we talked a little bit of, uh, before. You you were born there, and you were there until you were thirteen. So the majority yeah. of your life was in a refugee camp. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about you know your upbringing in the refugee camp. Yeah. So. Growing up in that refugee camp um, was not very easy. Um, it was hard because we couldn't get enough water, enough food to eat, and so you had to sacrifice every day to get water, to see if you can get food, and to get woods to cook. And going to school was not easy, so it was very hard, very hard to to do everything you had to do. For sure. So visually for the people, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of speculation of what a refugee camp looks like, or some people might not even know. Um, Tell me a little bit about um, visually what a refugee camp looks like. So uh, basically, the way it looks like, it's uh, the way people will usually go uh, camping. They will have tents around and everything. So there it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. A bunch of tents all over the place right. where there's families in them. I know sometimes you would take some woods, you know, and uh, line them up and just put dirt in it and put tents on top of it so you can stay in there. So it wasn't really much of a house or anything. No electricity, no water, no anything you would see in, in, a, in a normal house, a normal home. So, wow. yeah. And you grew up and you basically grew up the majority of your life living um, in a in a tent. That's right. That's right. Um, how many people, how many of your family members were living in the tent? Uh, yeah, believe it, we were 10. Uh, 10? 10 members, yeah. And what what does an everyday uh, life look like for you, you know, growing up in, in a refugee camp? Did, what, like, tell me about your daily routine. Um, I would wake up and... Uh, Get ready to go to school. And, uh, 
you know. My parents would wake me up most times and uh, just go to school. After school, we would try to go fetch some water to cook far away deep, deep in the mountains or go catch some firewoods to see if we can cook. And sometimes we couldn't get enough to eat. So you come from school expecting to eat something, but you didn't, you didn't really get anything. So it was hard, you know, going to bed hungry and two days or something hungry. And it, it was tough for sure. And what was, and um, what was it like for your parents? What was their daily routine? Did everybody work in the camps or? Um, yeah. So the parents, uh, it was hard to get a job over there. Except yeah. that my dad, um, he had a little job of being a nurse at the hospital. Mm -hmm. We had one hospital in the camp. Yeah. So he would go help out. They pay him perhaps uh, $20 a month, wow. you know, and uh, he would try to provide as much as he could. And my mom would wake up trying to find a way to help to help us to eat. That was all they could do. Sometimes they would find little food and they, they, they wouldn't eat. They let us eat mm -hmm. so we could get a little full and they act like they ate, but didn't really eat anything. So it was hard on them too. Wow. How many how many people um how many people lived in this refugee camp? What what was the what was the size of the community? Uh when I was there, about almost six years ago, it was about eighteen thousand. Eighteen thousand people, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I can't, I, again, I can't imagine, you know, I'm, I, you know, there's some, some things you hear about in the news and there's a lot of uh, people, you know, that sometimes they, when you think about a refugee lifestyle and then refugees trying to f uh, flee their country and, yeah. and are crossing through literally the world, mm -hmm. um, you came half around the world and you have the, you have the opportunity to, to be blessed with the American dream. And to, and to, you know, the the stigma that you hear when refugees we we have to we have to provide resources for them. We take care, but here you are, eighteen years old, grasping that American dream mm. and saying, you know what, I don't want to stick around. I I was blessed with an opportunity, and I want to start a business. That's that's truly admirable. And you're so that's young, right. dude. You're eighteen years old. You're a young entrepreneur. I can when I talk to you, you're so humble and yeah. mature. You know, and and it's it's really refreshing. You know. Yeah, the inspiration usually comes from my background, the story, because right. where I came from. I think sometimes that I could still be there because I know there's people still there. My, yeah. Some family members, friends, is still there. So once I have this chance of this opportunity here in America, I have to take it. I have to wake up every morning and imagine that I could be in the camp. So the fact that I'm here, it's a, it's a blessing. So I always got to wake up and find new ideas. Absolutely. Ways to improve. Absolutely. Yes, sir. That kind of resonates with with kind of what the show's all about and our stories and everybody that sits in your chair, yeah. um, that has sat in that chair and and you know and reminding ourselves essentially what our grandparents went through and what our parents uh, have gone through to be able to attain that American dream and it's mm -hmm. and it's humbling. When I when I speak to you, I see my grandfather. I see my dad. You know. Thank you, sir. Um, tell me a little bit about that feeling that you, that you received, I mean, every day waking up hungry in a refugee camp with 18,000 people that are going through the same struggle that you're going through, how do you find hope? How do you find inspiration within that moment? Um, the way I find inspiration here and hope is because I know by me working hard, by me sacrificing everything I should, I know that one day I will be the hope for my friends back in the camp or the hope um, to do something better for them in the future. So every day I wake up, that's what I uh, think about. And it motivates me to keep moving, to find hope, and mm -hmm. to do to have the feeling of doing better every day. Right. What about um, what about being back in the refugee camp when you were younger, before you knew that you were coming to the United States? Where did you find that hope and inspiration? Before knowing that you were coming here, okay. So before before coming here, yeah, I always had the feeling that something is gonna change, something will be better, and I hoped in God and said 
something we change, something we improve. So every day I wake up, even though I've been going through hard situation, I had hope in God that one day something would change. What kept you moving every single morning? What sparked, at what age did that entrepreneurship spark? Well, yes, yeah, so um, back in the camp, we usually lived in the camp and far away in the mountains, there would be people who are the citizens of Rwanda. Mm-hmm. We, we were just uh, taking shelter in that country. So we would wake up some of the days and go get sugar cans. People usually have sugar cans and they would eat them happily. So mm-hmm. I would go far in the mountains, about five hours or the whole day going to get uh, sugar cans. We would get them for um, cheaper prices. And when we get there, we would sell them eventually for a little bit more money. So that sparked my uh, wanting to make money because every time I get money, yeah, I would give it to my mother and I would see the way she was so happy and she bought food and that night we ate. So mm-hmm. that kept me moving. I saw that something can come out of this for sure. So that was my first beginnings and the way I had hope when I did that type of thing. Yes, and- sir. And was it like that with all your siblings, your brothers and sisters, or? Um, my big brother, um, he usually went to get some sugar cans himself. Mm-hmm. And so he inspired me the way he kind of did it. So I, I went and uh, when he stopped, because he did it for a short time, Yeah, I went and did it and did it a lot and didn't stop. Yep. What was the, what was the trip up to the mountains? To, what was it like to, to be able to, to attain that just to get some sugar canes? And how and if you don't mind me asking, how much uh, did you get paid for that? Um, so the trip there would be hard because we, we didn't have enough water, we didn't have enough to eat. So you would go almost the whole day um, for about five hours to get there and five hours to come back. And plus, going there would be scary because eventually in the past, the, the war that happened was between the Hutu and Tutsi. Yeah. So we were the Tutsis. We're going in the uh, Hutu land where people live that uh, mm. enemies that mm. even though it wasn't like that, but we'd have fear. Yeah. That when you go, you have a chance of somebody killing you or, mm-hmm. or something. So you go with fear, but still have the hope that you have yeah. to feed, to help your family. Yeah. The hunger kept you your driving. It, it kept you driving. You yeah. know, when you saw your little sister hungry, you said, I have to go. I have to keep moving. So... Um, and, and we, we wouldn't get much money from it. So you, um, the most I believe I, had, I ever made or, um, yeah, it was about $2, $2 from here to there. It's a kind of a lot of money. $2 for a 10, 10 hour day, five yeah. hours to get there, five hours to get back. Yeah. So you would go and bring about 50 cents and get plenty of, um, sugar cans, go back and have to go around the whole camp. Mm-hmm. And people would come to you and say, oh, how much is that? You cut them the sugar can, give them a piece. And yeah. I kept my drive for sure. How long can you stretch to, uh, $2? How long did that last you to, uh, to feed a family of 10? Yeah, so my mom would go get some beans uh, and um, usually corn. They would take corn. That's mm-hmm. the most we ate almost the whole, the whole time I was in the camp. Mm-hmm. It was beans and take corn and... Uh, Put it together like in a machine that would that would put in uh that would break it down right and they would just um cook it put it in water and then mm-hmm. we would eat we would eat it like that so two dollars um when when uh it took a week for us to get food for sure yep wow when you when you got the news um that you were able to come to america mm-hmm. how many of your family members were able to to come with you um so um, we went through the interviews and everything, and the only people that qualified was um, almost my whole family, but my sister. Yeah. Uh, she got she stayed there because she was married. Right. So her kids was not able to come with, uh, to to pull with our family because she already have one of her own already. So yeah, she didn't have a choice but to stay for the time being. How was that like? I mean. She- I mean, she, you must have felt some type of guilt that you were able to come and, and she yeah, stayed behind. Yeah, it was behind. hard. Yeah, so um, the fact that that she came, I mean, that we came and she didn't come, it was hard. We were excited about coming, 
but we had a some guilt, like you said, inside yeah. of us that she's gonna stay. How is it gonna be? Well, not only yeah, not only for your sister, but I mean for the friends and family that you left behind, especially friends. I mean, there must be some type of envy and resentment that you felt. Did you when you told the people around you that you were you were chosen to to come to America? Yeah. Um, did you feel any backlash or resentment towards anybody over there or your friends? It was no a happy feeling that we would leave them because we miss them a lot and everything. But right. coming here was, um, it gave us hope that one day we'd go back and change something. And that's that's what drives me, that one day um, I could go back and help make a change for them and give them opportunities mm -hmm. for sure because they have barely no opportunities there. Absolutely. Yeah. What were you thinking about before, you know, getting in that plane and, and flying over here? Um, it was so ex it was a lot of excitement because I knew uh, where we was going. There was more opportunities. Right. There was things we didn't have. Mm -hmm. There was an actual house that we can go in, and right. and we didn't know where it was gonna be. But we had a lot of excitement that things were gonna change. Right. Things were gonna improve and be better for us. So that driven us, and I was so excited. Mm -hmm. Days were going. I didn't sleep because I was thinking right. about how exciting we'll be. So. Mm -hmm. It was very exciting, but at the same time, you think I left the people back there, and yeah. uh, and maybe one hot, one day they would come to in America. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was very ex exciting. That's that's why I can say about that for sure. I mean, you you manifested that hope. That hope came into reality. How old were you um, when you came? When I came, I was uh, about to turn thir thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. So, yeah, I can't imagine. The excitement, the fear, the unknown, the yeah. the change of life, the the rearrangement of the mentality uh, that a thirteen year old must be must be going through at, at this time, and especially your parents, you know, and and then the guilt of you know leaving your sister behind, and yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot for it's a thirteen a year old man. Yes, sir. It's I mean, you, I can say that you've lived probably two, two to three lifetimes in the last thirteen years. In yourself, yeah. and here you are, the most humbling young man I've I've spoke to. Thank you, sir. And you know, and what what a better week to be thankful for than in Thanksgiving, you know? And and yeah. we're we're in a pandemic, we're in a pandemic. People are dying left and right, but you still find the courage and hope for your sister, for your family, yeah. and still find the the guts to really say, you know what? Regardless of what's going on around me. Mm -hmm. Regardless how divided we are as a country and the stigma that you see on the news, you say, no, I'm going to make the American dream my way. And the perception of what this country is all about with the opportunity that it has to offer, I'm going to go for it. Yes, sir. That's a, yeah. that's truly admirable. Tell me, so you came to to, to the United States. You, did you land here, right here in Nashua, New Hampshire? Uh, the plane landed in uh, Manchester and then yep. they brought us here. Yeah. It was very exciting. And what was the transition like? What were the the first couple of days of transitioning and coming? So they we came and uh, they brought us to one of the families from um, that came the kind of the same way we came. They made some food and we saw we were so happy we ate. And wow! We were just so happy because every day you'd be like, "What's the next day gonna bring?" Cause yeah, yeah. It was a lot of excitement every day for sure. Mm -hmm. The yeah. smells different, the yeah. views different, the buildings oh, yeah. are different. Yeah. How was it? How was it like, um, you know, going into getting received from these are completely strangers, or did 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 you know that you were gonna be set up with this family? We didn't know we was gonna be set up with them, but they spoke our language. They yeah. uh, they prepared some food that that we knew, and so we we feel some comfort for sure. Right. And, and you couldn't feel any weird feelings when you know you're in a better place than the camp. So it was yeah. so exciting, and we were so happy. For sure, yeah. And everybody was welcoming, and it was, yeah. For they, sure. they showed you around. Um, not too much. Uh, yeah. when, when we came, the first three days, me and my dad looked around and I was like, "Let's go around and look what's out there." And yeah, yeah. We tried to walk a little bit and look around, but yeah. it was like, "Oh, we may be lost. Let's just go go back." And so I was like, "Okay, yeah, for sure." <laughs> yeah, Wait, you must have been nervous. What was, was what was the first thing that mesmerized you when you came to the United States? 
that one thing that just shocked you that you were like, whoa. It was, when we came, it was in the winter. It was in about December or something like that. So it yeah. was so cold. We yeah. never felt that kind of weather before. So I went out, I was like, let me take off my jacket. <laughs> when we went outside, it was yeah. so cold. I started, I was like, what, what is this? <laughs> how cold can this be? You know, so I was, it was very crazy how cold it was. And one interesting story is that when I was in the airplane, they uh, they give us ice cream. Yeah. I didn't know what ice cream was, so I, I, they gave it to me. I opened it, I looked at it, I, and I was like, I licked it a little bit, it was sweet. But I said, why would they give me something this good but cold? Yeah. To a point where I can't, <laughs> point where I can't go and eat it in a good way. So yeah. I said to myself, let me put it in my pocket. Once it gets warm, I, I go on and eat it. <laughs> so I put it in my pocket. I put it in my pocket, boom, it went. I was like, ooh, it's so, it's so melting. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know it was going to melt. So yeah. it was a surprising thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What's the favorite food that, that you've had to try here when, since you got here? Um, so there every year, I think it was once a year that we had um, rice and um, some beans and meat. So it was just once a year. Sometimes we would go two years without having that. That was the best food. So when we came mm -hmm. and I got to eat that about every day, that, yeah. that meant so much to me that to this day I eat rice yeah. many times because I knew I could only have it once a year and uh, kind of once a year in my country. Right. So, And when I got here and I saw that uh, the Spanish people have Rice with everything. With rice with everything. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. That was so surprising. And I, right. that's my favorite, um, the Spanish rice and everything, or right. even the Chinese one. Yeah, yeah. I have fun with that too. So nice. beautiful. Yes. Well, you know, the United States is a melting pot. We have, you know, from all foods from all different countries, Italian, Chinese, yeah. Portuguese, Dominican, Puerto Rican. Yeah. Have you tried it? Have you were able to try it all since then? Since you've came, or some food was a little strange. <laughs> Me and my dad we would see some food that almost looks like it's alive, and would be like, "Oh, don't touch that." My dad, especially him, is always surprised when he sees it. He's like, "Oh, don't eat it, man. You don't know what's what, what, what it can do to you." So, what 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 food what um what food yeah. specifically? I went, went to a Chinese restaurant with my dad. We yeah. saw the crabs. You know, yeah. some of them, they look like they're alive. Right, right, right. So I took it. And my right. dad was actually scared to touch it because to him, it was like, oh, i never seen such a strange food. And yeah. To him, it was confusing. So you guys are not fans of seafood? Um, My dad is kind of scared, but he don't know how it tastes. So yeah. I, I sometimes try, even though sometimes I don't know how to eat it. Yeah, yeah. Because I know you got to break it up and there may be one little part that you can eat. Yeah, right. But I'm very interested in learning new things and new food. Yep. So You're not alone. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of all seafood. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you're not alone. Yeah. So, I mean, amazing background. Truly humbling. Yes, sir. You're starting a business at 18 years old. What led you to come to the young Faustin that is a business owner now? Uh, so when we came to America, yeah, uh, when we first got here, the amazing part of it was just to see the opportunities. Because when I was back in the camp, you would be interested in how a house is built, but you, you would need a hammer to do something mm -hmm. to build it, and you would need some other tools, but you you didn't have nothing of, of that stuff. So right. um, when I came here, I noticed uh, when I got to Dollar Tree, mm. I went there, there was a hammer for $1. I was like, oh, I can buy this mm -hmm. if I find a dollar very quickly. So I got it. Mm -hmm. So what I noticed was there's a lot of opportunities. You can be anything you want. There's no excuses because it's not like you're missing anything. You have all kinds of resources. Right. So that driven me. I said I can be I can be the best I can be here because there's I don't I, I have everything I need with all the resources, books and pens and everything. It was just, that was my excitement to see all of that stuff, for sure. What's been some of your challenges so far? Um, the challenges was to learn these new things. Because when I came uh, back in the camp, you didn't really have the specific things. Like when you had clothes, mm -hmm. 
you had clothes. Clothes were clothes. When you right. had a pants, you had to wear pants and everything. Yeah. It was not the because there you didn't have women uh dressing in uh pants like us and everything. Yeah. So when I got here, I I came with some pink shoes which I thought was beautiful and everything yeah, because yeah. I was like, ah, this is a good because yeah. there we didn't we barely had shoes to, right. to go around with. And I saw pants, so I put it on. But so adapting to to putting on the right things and yeah. looking proper and knowing what this is and yeah. going on the on the sink and putting your hands on it and water just comes. Wow. It's all just exciting, all of that stuff. So the challenge is not knowing what it is, but it's also exciting exciting to know what it is too. You understand what I'm trying to say? Absolutely, man. All right. Yes, sir. I'm just I'm retaining it all in because um so many things that we take for granted. Oh yeah. You know, like so I many things that we take for granted. And I feel, and when I heard your story and when we did the exclusive, I went back inside my house and I just took a minute to look at the things around me. And I'm just like, truly, yes. we're, we're all blessed. We're Absolutely. all blessed. Absolutely. And I mean, there's, there's individuals out there that, that find the littlest things to complain about. But I think that hearing to your story, it just puts everything into perspective. And it, it feels like it feels true. like we should just be thankful, honestly. Be thankful, for sure. What, yeah. What's, you know, besides starting the business, what is the American dream for Faustin? What is the definition of the American dream? The American dream. I hear that, I hear that phrase quite, quite often. And uh, basically, to me, the American dream is to one day for me and uh, my family or my people who are still stuck there in the camp, it's one day for me to go help uh, change something, yeah. to grow up, to be um, successful for sure, so I can be the hope for my for my people who are still stuck there, and for my family, my aunts, my grandparents, and everything that are still stuck in a life that's no um, that's not a life that's not very good for sure. That's what the hope for me and the American dream. That's what I want it to be for me. Yeah. And every day I will work hard and uh, make sure that I reach it one day because I have no excuses because there's nothing that, that, that I don't have here that to make myself something and to improve. Yeah. What do you feel that you're missing? I mean, you have right now you feel like you have it all. You feel like you have the opportunity yeah. You the necessities to sustain yourself. What do you feel like you're missing? What what what's missing? Um I have many things and I'm so happy and so thankful for what I have. But many times I uh I look at my sister who's still there and sometimes we talk. And uh sometimes I look at pictures in her kids that she, that I haven't seen for uh, for a while and some of the kids she just had that I haven't seen. And just that just makes me very sad, very sad that when I look at the pictures and talk to her, because I would like her to be here. I, there was nothing that I want more and, and that would make my world better if she was here for sure. Because when she talks to me, uh, yeah. when I talk to her, she's like, I have all this excitement. She's also, she has this business mind mentality that she wants to improve but without resources and uh, a lack of opportunity back in where she is mm -hmm. she has all energy but she's, she has no choice but to wait and sit because she can't do nothing with it there's no no job no resources to, to help her improve so when she calls me and tells me that it just saddens me that, that I can't do so much to help her come but I can still work hard for sure so that, that's one thing that I'm missing, my, my sister, for sure. I hope and, and pray that uh, yeah. that everything goes well for you to be able to bring her over here and yes, share this moment with her, for sure. Yeah, I would love that. I would love for her to see this, what I'm saying, you know? Absolutely. And I'm sure she would love it too. She would. And as soon as she comes, we would love to interview her too. <laughs> oh, yes. She so yep. you're starting a business. When I saw you, you drove up. Yeah. You drove up, you got a you you got yourself a truck, a, yeah. a work truck. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that people around you were, were driving back 
back in the refugee camps. No, no. We, we barely see cars yeah. passing by. We, we, we as kids, me and my little friends, yeah. we run around back uh, down a little bit further away from the camp to see if we can see cars and some bikes moving by. We would go yeah. and me and my little friends would play a little game. Man, when you see a car come by, say that's mine. And let's see who gets the most cars. So yeah. we would look at it and say, oh, I like that one. That's mine. And uh, yeah. we'd be so excited just to see cars. Yeah. But we never had a... We never had a dream of one day. I mean, uh, we, we never seen ourselves one day driving a car. Right. It was something that we couldn't see. So now that I'm here, yeah. sometimes when I'm in my car, I say to myself, is this a dream or something? So I have so much uh, so much pre uh, pleasure mm -hmm. in driving my car. When you see me driving there, sometimes I'll be smiling. Yeah. Just driving with other cars and yeah. things I see sometimes, it's almost like it's a movie, you know, right. every day. For sure. So, yeah. You know, within starting a business and, and coming to the United States, did you feel like you had all the resources to be able to implement and, and move and move on and, and sustain your lifestyle here and, and be able to set a foot forward? When you first came, did you feel that you had enough help around you to be able to say, if you want to do this, we can help you with this? Were all the resources of bringing you to the United States, were all the resources set in place? Or were you just given the opportunity to come with yes. and stayed with a family and then said, all right, this is your this is your network within these guys speak both languages. They will teach you the way. Or did you have resources for like health? Yes. So uh, when we education, came, et cetera. Yeah. All right. When we came here, uh, people were very, um, very help, uh, very helpful. We had caseworkers, we had people who were so generous. Yeah. Even though we were confused in this new um new land of America, we had there were people, people of America, one thing I'd, I'd say about them, they're very helpful and they're very generous. Um m many of them. Um so they look at you and they see you confused, they try and help you, the teachers in school. So when we came they helped us set up they they helped us set in here and uh put us in schools, which was very exciting. Yeah. They helped us uh, get our first apartment to settle in. And uh, basically they helped us start up, start up uh, small by small, for yeah. sure. Yeah. How was school like when, you know, being 13? Uh, okay. So when we first came here, it was very exciting. It took about a week to go to school, but I was like, wow, what's that? What's in the school? Yeah. Cause I don't even see a lot of kids that are different, different color, different everything. So mm -hmm. that was you do or you don't, huh? You you said you do see a lot of kids or you don't. I, before I came here, I didn't see many of them. I didn't. Okay. I only see people from my uh, country. So right, it, it was so exciting the fact that you have resources, you have books, you have pens. Mm -hmm. I told you the story in my country about how I did, I was struggling to get uh, school materials. Right. So here, yeah, so here we had it here. Mm -hmm. It was so exciting that we came and uh, going to school. The first day was like seeing people moving, different people. I was so confused. I didn't even know what to wear. Like I said, I had some of the pink shoes that I had. Yeah. To me, that was good shoes because I barely had shoes in my country. Right. So there was some confusion uh, in people's eyes when you went. But I was so excited seeing yeah. people. And some of the kids would come to me, say, hi, how you doing? Smiling. Yeah. And I would be so happy, so excited to talk with them. Even the teachers were so uh, nice. With me not speaking the language too. Right. I started small and uh, started learning in middle school, seventh grade. Yeah. What school did you go to? Um, it was Elm Street. Elm, Elm Street. Street. Yeah, I went yeah. to that school. <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. yeah. So came went in seventh grade and uh, it was a pleasure being there for sure. Because you had all the resources and the knowledge. Yeah. You could just see people improving. You had computers, which I never seen. And it was just so amazing to see all of that stuff, for sure. How was it adapting for your how was it adapting for your parents? Yeah, so my parents were um they were, they found it interesting too. So when they came, my dad tried and find a job and uh they helped him get a job somewhere at Walmart uh, mm. where he started. And he was so interested too. Everybody was happy. There yeah. were some people that came before us. 
which came and greeted us and uh, tell us a little bit, told us a little bit about uh, America. And they were they were also a little excited and confused. So that's yeah. how I can describe it, for sure. Huh. Yeah. Do you do you sometimes feel a little bit of guilt that you know now that you're stuck into this momentum? Of, of achieving that American dream that you feel like you always want more and more and more and more? Or do you feel like you're, con con you're content with what you have and that you can improve with what you have and then build upon that? Okay, so I'm so happy with what I have. I'm so glad and uh, and excited with what I have. But um, I also have the same feeling of um, improving and getting better because where I am today... It's not the best place at the moment. So yeah. every day I have the feeling of improving, mm -hmm. reaching out for help there and there, you know, yeah. looking to see if I can improve and change. And because I'm no more comfortable and I know my sister and the rest of my family is still back there struggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I have this feeling of improving. I have this drive of getting better and reaching the next level for sure. How's been? How's uh, your business been so far? How long have you established your business? Um, I started the business when I was about uh, about three years ago. I started it. It was confusing at first, but it was still exciting. And I did it for a while, for, for a period of time. And yeah. I took a little pause. And this time when I have my truck, when I have uh, something to help me move, move, mm -hmm. Now it's very good because I have some friends who are posting it on social media and yeah. people are calling me and the business is going very well for sure. So, yeah. Nice. And oh, yeah. I definitely want to talk off the air. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, you're listening to First Gen American on our new time, prime time, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. We have Faustin yes, with his amazing story, young entrepreneur here from Nashua. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about those pink shoes because you, you kept talking about those pink shoes and there's nothing wrong with wearing pink shoes because as you see, I got some kind of like salmon colored pink shoes yeah. on right now. Yeah. So you were talking about those shoes. You said that there was a little confusion where where you ever teased like saying, oh, the you know, yes. the, the, yeah. <laughs> that's why you kind of wanted to say it, but you didn't say it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, dude. Like you can. You can dress. So remember, the American dream is to achieve whatever you want to achieve, and you can be whoever you want to be at the same time. Okay. Okay, because it's all about acceptance. And as yeah. we're moving forward, we're learning to adapt and mature, but at the same time, to accept everybody for who they are. All right. You know, and that's that's still uh, a struggle, but we're learning as a country, and we'll do it together. Yeah, when I say about those pink shoes, <laughs> <laughs> it was just the confusion I had because yeah. there, you you always look for something to wear. You right. wear the same clothes until they broke on you. Until, exactly. So whatever we couldn't have, even if it was a pink jacket, we didn't know it was pink for yeah. women and all that stuff. And yeah, so we, when I came here, <clears throat> I would be going to school. I see the pink shoes I got from my country. Mm -hmm. Which which is no like uh, I'm a fan of wearing pink or anything, but I didn't right. know at the time. I was yeah. new. It was interesting. So I put mm -hmm. a pink jacket and, and stuff. Go in the winter. It was cold. Yeah, and go to school. And some guys would be like, uh, "Nice jacket, man." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, thank yeah. you." But I didn't know they were making fun of me because yeah. not wearing the right thing that's proper for for mm -hmm. a man to wear or a male. So it was a whole lot of confusion. Uh, with to, it until to some I, people's standards. Not everybody. You can uh, wear whatever you want to wear, man. <laughs> okay, but yeah. But now, as you can see, we know yeah. how, how to dress and we know we're improving as we go and things yeah. things are getting better for sure. That was me saying the pink shoes was just <laughs> to get you into your mind to tell you how confusing and right, right. No, absolutely. The, the, the whole thing was for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. What else... Um. What else is in store for the family? What are you guys doing? Uh, what do you? What is your family doing to support the business? And as anybody else, did you spark an interest in saying, "Well, did you, your older brother probably like, hey, my little brother's starting a business. I want to do something." You know, did did, <laughs> did everybody catch the bug, the business um, bug? Yeah, even they themselves, they try to figure out things. They all interested in things. So most right. times you wouldn't. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Yeah, so most of them they. They're all busy with their own things, trying to improve themselves. So 
it's not like uh, they get more time to get to get involved and everything, mm-hmm. but um, they they're interested. And also, as I get jobs, I take some of the my little brother, um, yeah, some of the young men also from refugee camps, right. Give them the opportunity to come work with me, and as I get some money, I also help them out with it. Yeah, we work together and try to improve and grow with each other for sure. Nice, nice. Yes, sir. How many people within your team in the business? What'd you say? Um, I'm trying to find um, young men who are the, who have the same story behind me uh, with me that resonates with me. So about ten to fifteen uh, young men who are. Who I can go and support and help to help me out with my business for sure. You have a strong team, man. <laughs> Ten yes. to fifteen people is yes. That's so, amazing. They're very helpful and they like the the feeling of having right. the money because we all have the same story. Yes, that's amazing that you're able to connect with your your people. Yeah, with the same storyline and 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 still try to motivate them and. I think you're on your way. I think you're you. I feel that you are gonna be a powerhouse because <laughs> you you started something that you probably don't know yeah. is you started the first network within you know anybody that's coming to give them an opportunity and a job and you're on your way. Yeah. And if there's any way that we can help you, for sure, you know with with everything that's been going on, has have you been staying busy or um, with the virus and everything? Yeah, uh, as my friends. Help me out, advertise that my ad on Facebook. I get calls and I'm new in the business because right. I I just got involved very much and not not too long ago. Yeah. So it's all it's all a lot of it has a lot of learning, there's a lot of experience I gotta take, but with my background and experience, everything that comes to me, I'm always ready, I'm always excited to to learn and I pick it up very quickly. So as I go, it's very exciting and I'm I'm driven to improve. Yeah. As I go, so, and there is work too, even though there's a pandemic and everything, mm-hmm. so I still have hope and I I send out flyers, I send out the ads and everything, so, mm-hmm. to see if things will get better, and they are, yeah, so, Excellent. which is good. How has your family and everybody back at the camp um, been dealing with uh, COVID or coronavirus? Yeah, so the government there, um, it's a little strict, so they they tried their best bef- because the virus got to them a little bit later. So yeah, they had some time to think about it and prepare. So they closed down some of the borders. They they had some lo- rules and and they closed down some things and and it's not that bad with them. So that's but good. they're kind of a little stuck, you know. So, yeah, yeah. And your and your sister and everybody back so, back there is safe. Yeah, they're very safe, and my sister has started a little business, a little store that she tried and opened up, and she had just started, and the virus came, so they shut it down for her now, so yeah. that that didn't go well, and uh, yeah. she'll get, she's she's healthy. Yeah. She'll she'll get back on her feet. Yes, she will. Yeah. So. What about um? What about you and your family here? How's when when the virus first broke out? How have you guys been dealing with it? And um, we try our best to follow the leaders of America's the best we could and uh, said wear a mask uh, stay give a distance and uh, so we try our best to follow that and so far nobody has gotten any virus uh, that I know from my country Uh, yeah so within here in in Nashua within this community Nashua and maybe in Manchester and some Mm -hmm. yeah some I know yeah for sure and how big is the the your your network here within people that you know that came from refugee camps here in Nashua how big is a net network? Yeah, like how many people do you do you think you know that have come from uh, Rolanda? Okay, so um, it's not many. It's not very many. In fact, I believe there's uh, about seven or six families um, here. If, if I try to uh, come with an estimate, yeah, uh, yeah, so about seven families. And the the families they have they all have like a tight uh, network like they they all hang out together and yeah most of the time they uh, with our culture and everything the way the history was with wars and everything we right. learned to stick together we learned to help each other because when one one was hungry they mm-hmm. had to get to somebody to reach out for their help so we kind of stuck together with those tents and everything so even here when we got here we. Um, we tried the best to try and stick with each other and 
see if we can improve and and grow with each other for sure yeah truly amazing story and um i mean with everything that's going on starting the business and you know talking about your story when we saw the uh the actual post it was from the boys and girls club uh jasmine reached out and she said i actually know this this young man from the boys and girls club and he has an amazing story and you truly do. Yeah. Um, there's some there's some challenges that sometimes we face with within being American. Yeah. You know, as as first generation and starting a business and through the pandemic and mental health and re and finding our resources, it's a it's a challenge within ourselves. But I feel thus far this community um, always lends out a helping hand, and it's they're truly amazing yes. on on being able to be welcoming and. You have your significant others that have different opinions, but all in all, yeah. it's it's really nice to hear that we're a part of a community where it has been really welcoming and opening. And I think the city officials and everybody that's doing what they have to do are doing an amazing yes. job, especially throughout the pandemic, yes, to sir. keep us safe. Yeah. And one man I must credit for helping me get into this business. His name is uh, Justin Monroe, Mr. Justin Monroe. He's very helpful with um, the way he got this spark in me with business. When I first met him, yeah. I had these ideas about business because I was always interested. I told him, hey man, look, uh, I was thinking if I could, because uh, uh, I sold the sodas we have, if I could take some sodas and put them in the fridge and put a little stick, can I sell them, can I still sell them as uh, popsicles? Yeah. I had these crazy ideas about yeah, yeah. Or selling candy. And when I first met him, mm-hmm. And I told him all of that stuff. So he was like, hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And I said, give me your number. We try and uh, help you a little bit. So he, um, when I met him, he he, he kind of uh, called me and said, hey, man, I I noticed you're trying to do this little business. Why don't you come and uh, I have some leaves. Um, you can help me rake it for some money. Yeah. So he came to my school after school because his house was closed. Yeah. He gave, he came, and I saw him there. He said, "Let's go." We went to his house. I did some uh, wrecking. I was mm-hmm. 15 back then, uh, or 14, starting high school. I pulled some leaves together. After I was done four hours, he gave me about 40 back, and I was like, "Wow, I mm-hmm. got, I, I got some money." That was my first little money that I got. I, I got some money from getting help from uh, helping him, yeah. and I got so interested. So I stayed with him, and uh, he. Afterwards, we, we kept on working with each other. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me. He said, what do you think of doing this for a little bit more people? Right. Why don't we make you a little flyer? He, he set me up with a little flyer. I passed it out. We, we would go around with my bikes. With some of my friends, I would invite them too. We'd go do some yard cleanup and everything. Mm-hmm. And they would be so supportive. As we also we would volunteer with um, their organizations to help them out. Yeah. And as they helped us. So to this day, uh, to make a long story short, um, he, he's the one that sets me up. I can go up to him when I'm confused and say, hey, man, this is going like this and like that. And he would say, this is what you should do. And when I do it, things just improve and get better. So yeah. so he's a mentor. He's a mentor for sure. He's a great man. That's yeah. excellent. What type, of, what type of tools do you think you're still missing? Um, do you have a lawnmower or? I don't have a lawnmower. Okay. Uh, for the time being, I have a leaf blower since there's leaves. Yeah. I, I have about one leaf blower. Mm-hmm. And by the help of Justin, he gave me some um, some wrecks and he yeah. gave me one of his own, uh, his uh, leaf blower too. So mm-hmm. I have two with his, with his also. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm using for the time being. And, uh, so yeah. you still need a weed whacker. I still need all that lawnmower. stuff. Lawnmower. So if sure. anybody's listening and you have... A spare weed whacker or a lawnmower. Um, Anything you can do to help. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So to to be, be able to help this young entrepreneur yeah. to donate, that would be greatly appreciated. So yes, comment right. on the on the messages or in the comment section below, and um, we'll yes. relate that message to him to be able to pick it up. Sure. And I highly appreciate that. Yes, sir. Truly an amazing story. I can't say that enough. There's always one uh, word that resonates with me, and it's... And, Truly inspiring. Yes, sir. Truly inspiring and, and blessed. Yes, I'm glad to share it. I'm Absolutely. Yes, sir. So what's next for the family? What are you guys going to do for the holidays? 
Um, the family was planning with this Thanksgiving, which is a great holiday. Um, they were planning to come together on the day and uh, celebrate, eat, eat some turkey, and uh, nice. just talk about what we thankful for, for coming here, because for some of us, we still think it's a dream being here because it's just amazing, for sure. If you could be thankful for one thing, what would you be thankful for? Um, I would be thankful that that uh, my eyes were open uh, by the help of God, I would say, for to see that there's all these opportunities that there's, and to give me the drive to in in in, pe in things that people see and take for granted, uh, for my eyes to be open to see them differently, and to see things that people don't see as opportunities, or see them as opportunities, and uh, just. Having the feeling of improving, I'm thankful for that for sure. And another thing too, I'm thankful for being here, for being in America. That's the best thing I would say. Uh, second thing that ever happened to me for sure. Yes, sir. Thank you for sharing, man. Yes, Faustin, ladies and gentlemen, a young, inspiring entrepreneur. Thank you so much. I want to take the time to say happy birthday to my wife. Her birthday is in Beautiful. two days. Yeah. Thank you for being supportive. I'm thankful for uh, just the opportunity for the show to be able to share this platform with uh, amazing individuals. Yeah. And I'm thankful for Jasmine. And yes, you, are, you are an inspiration for sure. I also want to say thanks for the, this opportunity to come share my story. Our it's pleasure, pleasure, man. Our yeah. pleasure. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, first-gen American. I'm your host, Oscar Velasquez, with amazing stories like this. Thank yes, you. Sir.